We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always go over and check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it is a Friday show. We're excited to be back. How you doing? Yeah, great. It's awesome. We are back. The Packers are 2-1. They have a really exciting opponent coming up this week. This is episode 1,164, and to me, there's only 164 in Packers history, and that is Jerry Kramer, not Mike Pinnell. Sorry, Justin McCray. I was going to say. <laughs> the one, the only Jerry Kramer. He will always be 64 in my mind. Um, but hey, you know, there was kind of a crazy game on Sunday night, right? Unbelievable football game that we got to witness on Sunday night football. Just unbelievable. The emotional roller coaster that I think we all went on from the elation of the way that they played at the beginning of the game to maybe some ways that things started to crumble and disintegrate before our eyes, and then, of course, uh, just the ending. So, Andrew, how were you? What was your emotional state? And how, I mean, I've watched games with you in person at, at Lambeau, but, like, I don't know that we've ever watched a game on TV before. How do you how do you deal with these these nights that are just off the walls crazy? Yeah, I know you and I take pride in being the kind of calm, rational fans <laughs> Of the podcast, right? Like, right. that's that's kind of our niche. And and I got to be honest, that that's typically how I watch the game. I'm pretty, pretty reasoned. I did get kind of emotional, like a little outbursty. Uh, <laughs> I am known from ev- from time to time to have a temper tantrum. And the officiating <laughs> was incredibly frustrating. And it wasn't just like the kind of inconsistency of what pass interference was in that game versus what right. it is in most games. And and that had to have been frustrating for both fan bases, quite frankly. But then of course you get the blown intentional grounding and, you know, I can kind of understand with the interpretation of the rule, how, how they saw it that way. I would adamantly disagree because then why not just throw the ball into the ground every time right. and say your arm exactly. got hit. Um, but you know, there, there were, there were some calls in that game that have been analyzed over and over and over on this podcast and many others. And so I won't get too far into it, but one penalty 
<laughs> that I have seen no one talk about is the Jair Alexander 15-yard yes. penalty. What was the deal with like, Thank you. I, the, I, I'm assuming that they thought he hit him in the helmet, which he I didn't guess. do. But then it was such a soft hit. Yes. That, like, what was the roughing part right. of roughing the passer? So that penalty came after the penalty on rookie cornerback Eric Stokes down the middle of the field. And that one, you know, pass interference is just weird in the league. And, like, you're going to get bad calls. And that was – I felt like we probably all agree that that was a bad call. But pass interference penalties happen, whatever. That came shortly after – and that one was just the one where I was like, this is this is a joke. Like, like we're winning this football game. We are clearly the better football team. And this is a joke. Like, I mean, I don't know what you wanted Jair to do better. He hit the quarterback on a play where he really had a free rush. I don't know how you stop that momentum. Clearly hit the quarterback and basically rolled off of him, not on the ground, but like in the air, like still coming off the quarterback. So I was like, I just, that was the one that was infuriating to me. And you're right, like, we try to approach things with a rational, calculated methodology usually, but that was the moment where I was just like, I just can't anymore. This is insane. So <laughs> that was that was the moment for me. But uh, anything but, else? <laughs> but nobody wants to talk about penalties, right? Right. So like, right. what what's your lasting impression of that one? We, we and and again, I will I will urge the listeners to understand we're not here to debrief all of last week's games, but you right. and I literally have not gotten the opportunity to talk about what happened and that that's one of the most epic games that that you'll see probably this decade out of the green bay packers so (laughs) i I do feel like we need to give it a little bit of attention yeah we didn't even talk about this pre-show this is just our emotional (laughs) response to what we saw (laughs) on the television so you know for me it was just like that moment when you saw 37 seconds on the clock and we've seen aaron Rodgers do this before right like but the time keeps getting shorter right like you give him like two or three minutes, you give him a minute and a half, like right, the Dallas game was a great example. You give Rodgers 37 seconds, and you're just like, you know, like, there's that's a lot to ask, right? Like, I mean, the guy could do it, but 37 seconds is not much time at all. And then it happens, obviously, Devontae out of his mind, Rodgers threading the needle. Just an incredible, incredible sequence of plays to do what was next to impossible to put them in position to to finally get down to the end. Yeah, and I will say it, it will not go on Rodgers, whatever his final highlight film is, right? You could have right? you <laughs> an hour of the best Rodgers throws. Yeah. It won't go on that, but I, I was so incredibly impressed. One, one of the all-time throws to me was that first one. Uh, the one to start the drive to Devontae, where he just found a way to feather that over Fred Warner's mm-hmm. outreached arm in the yes. air directly to Devontae. And Devontae tried to loop that one around out of bounds, which would have been even more impressive. But, yeah, I mean, for Rodgers to find him there, mm-hmm. uh, just a thing of beauty. Uh, and then I know there there was one thing you wanted to talk about, and that was after the final spike. <laughs> My favorite moment of the whole game, and I mean, a lot of been has, has been made of like, you know, the Rodgers doesn't care, like he's not invested. And like this, this offseason was emotionally draining for all of us. And I think I think Rodgers owes us all one, right? Because we've been through it. But the guy is completely invested in the 2021 Green Bay Packers. And when he gets out there, has a chance to clock it after an unbelievable 
ability to get his team down to a field goal range. The dude just fist pumps in a way that's just like he knows obviously what he's just done, but obviously the confidence that he has in Mason Crosby to turn and make that kick. Like it's like he's already won the football game and just a really fun moment of seeing that energy. And you can see in the clip too, uh, Randall Cobb is doing the same thing, just totally, totally jazzed that they've done what no one would have thought they could have done in 37 seconds. Yeah, and you get the Rodgers uh, fist pump right immediately after the spike, yeah. and you get, uh, you know, the, there's that like wonderful clip of Rodgers leaping off of the sideline, uh, yeah, and then yeah. embracing Joe Barry after right. Crosby made the field goal. You get the Crosby smirk after yep. the timeout. Um, and, and so all of those things, it just, it just made for a really, really cool moment, a really special evening for all of us Packer fans. Um, did, did you want to mention, uh, Yosh Nyman? Okay. (laughs) Yosh. Um, I would never have said it that way and that's my fault, but my goodness, like let's give the guy low key MVP of the game. Cause right. Like so many Packers fans probably, in a way that didn't need to be. We're so low on this team coming into this game just because this is a 49ers team that's beat up on us in the past. And obviously, you know, their strengths and our weaknesses kind of matched up in a way that was concerning. And then you lose offensive line throughout the week. And it just kind of feels like you're not going to be able to do this. But my goodness, Yosh shows up in a way that is just unbelievable. And they ran this offense like there was nothing missing. And I mean, to his credit, what an ability to come out and perform the way that he did. And like, I mean, people will talk about Aaron Rodgers. They'll talk about Devontae. Mason Crosby gets, you know, all the praise. But if this offensive line doesn't hold up, like th- this game doesn't happen. And so Mr. Nyman, what a game, man. What a way to go out there and play for your team. Yeah, we've been talking about him since he was signed as an undrafted free agent. And, and you know, that that's one of the things being passionate about the draft. And especially you and I have this thing for UDFA is I, I just really was drawn to him because I, I love these incredible like one percent athletes right mm-hmm. like right. there aren't human beings who can do what Yosh Nyman does period like to, yeah. to be that big and be that athletic and have the measurements that he does that's rare mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he's going to be good right like there, there's plenty the NFL is littered with with people that were phenomenal athletes who just didn't make it and so it does seem like he's been really honing his craft one of my favorite things from this entire week was the Devonte Adams interview after the game where he talked about Nyman's mm-hmm. just like humbleness and like how cool it was for yeah. him to hear him talking about like I'm just fortunate to be here like that that part is cool and and you just really hope that when you combine that kind of elite level size and skill set and a humbleness and a work ethic that this works out for him because right. um, that would be a huge boon, not just for the Packers, but it's certainly for that young man as well. Yeah, this is not the offseason. And Andrew and I spent we spent too much time in the offseason probably talking about roster building and these things that we're so passionate about. But the reality is the Packers and other teams around the NFL, they take these shots on players like Nyman because one in a hundred hit, right? And you get an athlete who can play at an elite level, play a football position, but also be that elite 
elite athlete, and they do. They bust a majority of the time, but once in a while you find that diamond in the rough, and it certainly seems like at least in a pinch the Packers certainly have somebody who can come off the bench and be a pretty elite player for them in that role and in that in that setting. So good for Yosh and uh, the way he contributed in this game. Uh, pretty exciting thing to witness there on Sunday night. But, Andrew, should we turn the page and do what we are here to do? Flip, flip. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, if you're a regular listener, you probably know that Fridays on the Pack-A-Day podcast are all about key matchups and X-Factors. We do take some time, and we dive into the Packers' upcoming opponent, their roster, and talk about which matchups are going to be tipping points in the game. And then, of course, we each share our X-Factor prediction for the week. Um, And we all did live to experience the wonderful beauty extraordinary experience that was week three but now week four has arrived and so we are flipping the switch and we're talking about these Pittsburgh Steelers who roll into Green Bay this Sunday for a 325 game so uh, let's do it Andrew let's talk about how we match up with the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah I'm gonna get it get get us started with the key matchups for the trenches which I know everybody's super interested to hear about. <laughs> the big guys. Uh, but, but for me, one of the key matchups of this game is Josh Myers and Royce Newman versus Cam Hayward. And the Packers tackles will have their hands full with TJ Watt and Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith. So the interior is going to need to hold up all on their own. And the issue is they face one of the best defense alignment in the entire league in Cam Hayward. I want to say that again, Kyle. One of the best defensive lineman in the entire league and Hayward just never gets the credit he is due but he is an absolute nightmare to match up for and he's been doing this for a a long time Mm. uh this is an NFL veteran who has just been consistently in like great uh Mm. for his entire career and nobody knows his name and (laughs) you know he has to be licking his chops going to get going up against two rookies on Sunday afternoon, but I do love the things that these two have done so far. And the Packers have to be thinking that the quick hitter playbook they utilize so successfully against the 49ers can come into play again and be really successful because it's going to have to be. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is going to have a whole heck of a lot of time. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Absolutely. And no, Cam Hayward, I'm glad you brought him up because he was a name that popped out to me and I just didn't work him in to the things that I wanted to to add to the show doc here. And honestly, you know what? He is Pro Football Focus's number one rated defensive lineman and he's a top three guy against the pass he's a top three guy against the run so absolutely going to be a force in this game and will be really good as a litmus test for those guys in the middle like you're saying so i want to talk about the packers wide receivers versus these steelers cornerbacks uh the packers have kind of had it easy i maybe that's not fair but i think they've kind of had it easy the last two weeks as far as secondaries go and nothing is easy in the nfl so it's not to take anything away from what they've been able to do but they've faced some teams with some injuries and with a lot of youth and inexperience at corner and they have been able to exploit that at times but this steelers team has two solid corners and joe hayden and cam sutton both great in the top 25 in the nfl through three games in that limited sample size uh, they're playing really well in coverage right now. And so uh, we've seen Devontae flashing his footwork off the line. We've seen him with the incredible Houdini-like moves after the catch. And I do expect that he will continue to dominate. But this secondary is a little bit different than what we've faced the last couple weeks. And so I expect a little bit more distribution of the ball. I expect Tunyon to get back on track with his targets. And I expect Cobb to maybe get work here in this game as they spread it around. And especially with MBS dealing with that hamstring injury, I think we'll see a little bit more in the way of opportunities for someone like Alan Lazard. So the Steelers are a tough defense. I think everybody knows that this is a tough group. And while I do expect the Packers offense to continue to be efficient and move the football, especially if they do stick to that quick game uh, that we talked about, I do think it's probably going to require a little bit more diversity instead of just feeding number 17. So keep an eye on the wide receivers this week and see if we get a little little bit more from guys like Lazard and Cobb than we did in San Francisco as the Packers try to spread it around a little bit. And you mentioned the success of the Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback tandem, but can we address that Micah Fitzpatrick has a 28.5 pro football focus grade on 198 snaps? That means he's ranked 80th out of 80 (laughs) safeties in the NFL. I would say that's bad. Yeah. I mean, I saw that pop up and I was like, I don't even know just the respect that I have for the player of Minka. I don't think that those observations from years past were wrong. So it just begs the question, like what is happening and and what kind of player is, is Minka and what's going on? Because that number doesn't seem to represent the player that we've watched in years past. It's crazy. And his coverage grade is atrocious. So, I, you know, I, I got to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of the Steelers on defense. I've seen a lot of the lowlights on offense, but um, that that is very troubling 
of course, Minka having been one of the best safeties in the league since they acquired him from the Dolphins. So yeah, uh, really interesting there. Uh, moving on to the next key matchup, I have the uh, Steelers wide receivers versus the Packers cornerbacks. And I, I think we can safely assume the Steelers won't have a ton of success running the ball. I mean, they haven't been good at running in, in a season plus three games. So why would they start now? But Ben's likely going to be under duress much of the game. More on that to come. So they're going to need to rely on Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson to get open quick. And just FYI, side note, James Washington and Ray Ray McLeod, two of their other wide receivers, have also taken a ton of snaps on the season. So we're going to see a lot of wide receivers. But that's a challenge for Eric Stokes and Shannon Sullivan. And I, I'm kind of making the assumption Kevin King probably not playing this week following up the illness with a concussion. Mm-hmm. But in theory, this is going to be a great test for Stokes to gauge how he can go up against quality NFL wide receivers since the Steelers have three pretty darn good ones on the roster. So, mm-hmm. you know, part of me worries a little bit that the week of media bashing Ben Roethlisberger and talking about how washed up he is, is going to lead to a much more motivated offense. But there is that glaring weakness up front that the Steelers have to worry about. And Kyle, that's what we pros like to call a transition. Yes. Let's <laughs> I was like, so what, what are you talking about? They oh, have good. problems up front. Good, Kyle. Good podcasting right there here on Fridays. Um, yes, let's talk about that. The Packers pass rush versus that offensive line and those problems up front. Sorry, I missed that golden opportunity. But we know that the Packers have felt the absence of Zadarius Smith. This is obvious and expected. Preston and Rashawn Gary were able to get a little bit more rush and be a little bit more disruptive against the 49ers. And it feels like this pass rush gets a little bit better every game. We've only had three, but it just kind of feels like a slow progression that they've gotten a little bit better. And it felt like the coverage was also better in the 49ers game, which game, which led to those sacks on Garoppolo where he simply had nowhere to go with the ball. So I'm interested to see these guys, Rashawn and Preston, if they can keep it going, right? Like these are some players that we've expected big things from and they've kind of had those flashes and have played really well, but can they keep it going on Sunday? Because this Pittsburgh offensive line suggests that they should be able to Trey Turner has played well, uh, but outside of him, this offensive line, as you said and alluded to, especially in pass protection, has really struggled. According to Pro Football Focus, none of the other Steelers' offensive linemen grade even in the top half of their position when it comes to pass blocking. So the Packers should have their opportunities to disrupt Big Ben in this game. And just to add a little bit of context to this, the Steelers faced the Bengals in Week 3 and faced the Bengals' pass rush. And the Bengals were able to force four sacks and help force a couple of turnovers because of that pass rush. And the Cincinnati pass rushers are Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and Cameron Sample. All good players, but they're not world beaters, right? So I think that this is an opportunity for the Packers pass rush to really show up and be disruptive to this Steelers offense. And as well as Gary has played, it's been really, really awesome to see Preston playing a little bit more like 2019 Preston. And he seems to be playing with a real fire, and I expect that to continue this week. So... 
Those are your key matchups for the 49ers Packers for this Sunday. But of course, we haven't gotten into our X Factor predictions for this week. And this is the moment that Andrew has been waiting for the entire show because once again, he gets to gloat, he gets to brag and parade around his X Factor selection from week three. Because in week two, it was Devondre Campbell, which was a great call for Andrew. This week, you called it. MPS had a heck of an impact on this game against the 49ers and that huge touchdown catch. So by our standards, two weeks in a row, Andrew, is quite a hot streak. So go ahead, celebrate, take your stage here on the podcast. I think I'm just going to be really humble about it. No. Yeah, you're right. I would never do that. <laughs> I, I, I had an inkling that that MVS was due for a bounce back. But, I mean, you know, that was based on what we talked about. Him and Rodgers had just been missing each other in week two. And so, you know, I, I think this game was really challenging for me because I was having a hard time locating an X-Factor. So I'm I'm super interested um, in the way that you're going to go. But I think I'm starting, right? Yeah. You're making me go first? Yes, I'm going to make okay. you go first. <laughs> a lot of pressure. So... I'm going to go with a little bit of a wild card here back into our, uh, you know, old days of of like really shooting for the moon. But I'm going to go with the edge John Garvin. And you mentioned the struggles of Steelers offensive line. You have uh, Chukwuma or Okorofor. Okorofor, of course, who is from Western Michigan. It's weird that I know that, but not how to pronounce his name uh, off the top of my head. And then rookie Dan Moore Jr. And those are their starting tackles and respectively they're ranked 50th and 54th out of all tackles in the league. So they're going to struggle with Preston and Rashawn all game and passing situations. But I, what I really think is going to be a differential is the fastball uh, getting home. And, you know, when I talk about the fastball, right, like that, that rusher, that's a little bit different. I wanted to call it the curveball because that's really like, you know, you're getting the power rush over and over and over, and then they come right, with the right. changeup or the curveball that is John Garvin. But John Garvin's fast, so he's the fastball. Mm-hmm. And I have talked about my love of his combination of speed and bend since he was drafted. He's gotten 60 snaps on the season already, which I think is really impressive. And the Packers have been trying to keep their edge rushers fresh by by going through a rotation. But I think, you know, he brings that little something different to the table uh, than the other Packers edge players. And I think Sunday he's going to find a way to get home on Big Ben during one of the important situations in that game. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting name. And, and someone you've loved for a long time, so people are going to be like, oh, that's a homer pick. But you're right. At some point, the third guy off the bench is going to impact the game. That's just how it goes. They've got to get into get into some rotation. And we saw them really having some of these other rushers on the field really early in the game in that Detroit game. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to get in there and impact the game. Somebody else with some speed, Andrew, this isn't my pick for X factor, but we saw Oren Burks making some plays in the preseason. That'd be really fun to see if they could get some of his speed on the field, really coming up through the middle and just maybe, maybe throwing a little bit of a twist at this offensive line. that's already struggling. Uh, just thinking about that when you said speed and, you know, trying to overwhelm this front that just seems to struggle with holding up. But my X factor here, let's stay on track is Randall Cobb. Okay. And I, I mentioned, I think this game is going to take more create creativity for the Packers offense. I think we've heard LaFleur acknowledge that he wants to get Cobb a little bit more involved. Anytime you add a player as late in the off season as they added Cobb, it, you know, kind of, 
it's a little bit behind in some of those things. And I think that this is the game where we may actually get to see a little bit more from Cobb. Justin Lane is the Steelers' third or fourth corner, depending on how you look at it. Uh, But I think he'll match up in the slot. And Lane has been bad, bad so far this year. And Pittsburgh fans are getting impatient. But I don't really know if they have any other options than to have him on the field. Um, So he could be outside. But I'm thinking that he's probably going to stay inside and give some opportunities for Cobb to get a juicy matchup in the slot here against Justin Lane. And I think LaFleur and Rodgers will look to exploit that, especially considering that they might be without MVS in this game. And I think Cobb, let's get crazy. I think he gets six catches and converts a couple of first first downs that'll be big moments in this game and leaves the game with a touchdown. Let's go crazy. Whoa. Getting really specific with those predictions. I like I know. it. Going on it just a, makes going it more and more unlikely that I'm correct. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, really quick before we get out of here, what, what do you think the Steelers' path to a victory is here? This is something we talk about every week, and I, I think it's fair to assume the Steelers are, are you know underdogs coming in the Lambeau field. So what do they have to do, or, or what are the watchouts on the flip side for the Packers mm. uh, that would end in a Pittsburgh victory? Yeah, I'm going to say, like, this is a game that the Packers should win um, just based on where the teams are right now and their struggles and what they're up against. Um, For me, I think that this is a game where the Packers could shoot themselves in the foot by trying to get away from the quick game. Um, If they try to have Aaron Rodgers sit back and pick apart this defense on slow developing plays, I think that there could be some turnovers, some sacks, some fumbles. They could make things a little bit more interesting, but I think if the Packers stick to that quick game, that should alleviate some of that pass rush. Um, Obviously, we feel pretty good about the offensive line and even the depth that's there, but I think uh, sticking to that quick game helps a lot. But also the Packers' ability to get after the Steelers on the offensive side of the ball and really disrupt what Big Ben wants to do. I don't think you want to have this be the week where you're still trying to develop that pass rush. You want that to get home. So for me, it's avoiding the pass rush if you're on offense and getting the ball out quickly. And if you're on defense, it's about getting home and not letting uh, Big Ben really have an opportunity to find plays that really shouldn't be there. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's a couple things that worry me about this game. First, the Steelers getting any sort of rushing attack going at all which would not only be really embarrassing, <laughs> the Packers should be embarrassed because the Steelers' <laughs> rushing attack has been atrocious sure. for the last 14 months. But I think that leading to the opportunity for the Steelers to mm-hmm. you know throw it a bunch, I think the Packers playing soft coverage is a real danger in this one because Ben has shown no propensity to be able to get the ball down the field like he used to. And he is going to abuse Najee Harris on checkdowns. I think he had something crazy like 14 targets last week. Uh, And so he had like five drops in that game, too, which like that's hilarious. But he's not he's he's a really good receiver. So I don't think that's going to happen too much. And then you have Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, all guys that can do stuff with the ball once they catch it. So. The Packers have to be up in their faces and and I think really playing some tight coverage on defense. What really scares me or I'm sorry, when the when the Steelers are on defense, what really scares me is just that pressure. Right. Mm. Like they they have so many talented pass rushers in Watt and Melvin Ingram, Cam Hayward, uh, even uh, Alex Highsmith. Right. Yeah, I always want to so. say a lot. 
I always want to say Alonzo Highsmith, yeah. but that is not correct. That's like a <laughs> 90s reference. So, um, but some really good pass rushers there and, and getting pressure, of course, has given the Packers trouble historically as it, as it does for most quarterbacks. So um, I think that is a recipe for, for a long game as well. So um, other than that, I mean, I, I think, you know, this is a game where you you'd expect the Packers to excel, but um, every game is a new challenge in the NFL. And so, you know, they'll have plenty to overcome. Absolutely. And I think coming off of a game like they had in San Francisco, that is a that's an emotional game in a good way. But I think that that can take, you know, that can be an emotional wave that you have to come back home and, you know, not take your next opponent too lightly, even though it is a game that you're supposed to be able to go in and really take care of business. So exciting. We get football again this Sunday afternoon. Steelers, Packers, two classic teams. It's going to be a lot of fun. Really excited about it, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack of Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back getting ready for the Packers' Week 5 matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are currently getting run out of the gymnasium by the Jacksonville Jaguars. What? Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how the second half of that game unfolds and what the Cincinnati Bengals are bringing um, to to that matchup. So um, thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.